What's up, everyone? Hope you are doing well. This is another episode of Healthzilla Weekly uh, podcast. The episode is number thirty, and it will be the final episode of season two. We will be returning to podcasting after New Year's. But in this episode, we are diving into deep, um, deep into the world of food quality, uh, food industry, and so forth, and the the daily food choices we can do for um, healthier living and healthy habits as well. In this episode, Olli Posti, who's a famous Finnish health influencer, uh, gives his views and tips over uh, food quality and so forth. All his uh, views are uh, unconventional, and hence we we do recommend you do your own research. And he has some great tips uh, in terms of how to make your food choices uh, better as well. So enjoy this episode with the one and only Olli Posti. Three, two, one. Welcome. This is Health Till Weekly podcast episode number thirty, coming out to you live from Finland and Singapore today. It is a beautiful day here in Singapore. Um, the sun is shining. I hope wherever you are currently, at least the sun is shining inside your mind, even though the weather weather might not be similar as here. Hope you are staying safe and staying well as well. And I trust you are building your healthy habits currently. Um, to build up your immunity, um, uh, ensure that you live a longer life and healthier and happier life as well. If you haven't already done so, please go ahead and download the Healthzilla app now for free from the Apple App Store or Google Play and try out the new stress scan and start building your healthy habits today. Now, this episode, which is number 30, will be the final episode of season two of Healthzilla Weekly. Um, and we have an amazing episode coming out to you with some very, very valuable and useful content and information on food quality and food choices, which we actually every single one of us, one of us does on a daily basis in the supermarket, in the grocery stores, in, you know, restaurants and and whichever. It it can have a massive impact into your overall health and well-being. And for that, we have an, an amazing guest joining us today. His name is Olli Posti. Olli is a very popular Finnish health influencer. He's a nutritional expert, a personal shopper, supermarket survivalist, superfood blogger, speaker, and he, he has produced health-related content extensively already for 11 years, ever since 2009 at least. And he just published uh, a recent book called Supermarket Survival as well, which is a really um, fabulous book indeed. And, and Laura, who's our CEO, joins us as well. And as uh, she has just finished up uh, reading that, that book. How are you, Olli? Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, it's really nice to be here in the podcast. And how is your day so far? Uh, actually, my day started just like maybe 30 minutes ago. It was a late morning or something like that. All right. Very good. Very good. And how are you, Laura? I'm great. Thanks, Nico. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this episode. Um, like you mentioned, I, I just finished Oli's book and it's mind-blowing. I love how he's saying out loud the things that many of us think, but kind of, you know, we just don't dare to say those things out loud. So I'm, I'm thrilled to, to have him here today. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's actually very well said. That's what it is about, because I feel that there is this kind of dichotomy between what's officially true about health and then what people actually kind of see with their own eyes. Yeah. And then we often think that, yeah, but the science says this, this and the, uh, this authority says that. So maybe, I don't know, I don't know. So I, 
I always want to take the side of the common person, of the of the consumer, basically. Now this, and, is, this, uh, this is this yeah. is this is absolutely awesome. So, Olli, could you sort of give us a, a short introduction uh, of your own as well? Yeah. Uh, well, um, I had some. I didn't have too good of a health when I was like teenager, and so I, I had a chronic asthma. And I was uh, like in the winter time. I was more or less uh, like I, I was. I was never really, really that healthy, and then I also had the, I got the uh, multiple sclerosis when I was 19 years old, and that was a huge challenge. <laughs> and uh, of course, in the official view, nothing can help you with that kind of condition. So mm. I just kind of had to go out and uh, find different kind of information. And for me, it was extremely difficult because I'm from an academic background family background and things like that so uh, I wasn't the person who can easily just go to some alternative sources of information like it, it was a it was a process definitely and I, I feel like I had to kind of uh, rebuild my worldview so many times and it was always like very difficult very painful but nowadays I don't feel like it's too painful to change one's mind to change change my mind i think it's actually quite fun like people are naturally afraid of heights but some people jump from airplanes and they actually enjoy it so it's kind of similar but yeah it, it was a huge blessing to uh, be in such a bad predicament that i i really had to learn to change my mind like com completely basically because uh for me it was not about finding some different kind of information inside the same old paradigm it was about being able to completely embrace different kinds of paradigms mm. so that that's what made made it really interesting <clears throat> but that's absolutely right it's, it's so fascinating as well obviously you um you've had um, a major health events in your life and and i, I presume that that those health events have have sort of driven your interest and focus so so heavily in into you know healthy eating and foods and all that right yes absolutely and uh i'm guess i'm not alone in that like mm. whenever you look into the biohacker scene or the alternative or natural health scene like maybe half of the gurus there uh, are there because of their own initial health problems absolutely and, so and the, and there's a reason for that because uh yeah it's it, it's difficult to uh jump into the kind of information and, and the kind of kinds of paradigms that uh i don't know that that don't really get you points in the normal social life shall we say mm. i mean let's say you're working in the normal work environment and then you start thinking and saying things that are way out of the norm like it's it's not going to be good for your career or your social life or things like that so there, there has to be a very very big and strong reason for you to start thinking like totally different than the next guy yeah and i would imagine back in the days when you were still 19 you know the biohacker yeah. scene wasn't the same as it is there nowadays was, when you can there, just Google there was stuff no and there was a, <laughs> yeah i mean there was absolutely no biohacker scene i mean that was like 2002 mm. yeah so yeah, yeah there was absolutely nothing it was crazy so, so for the first like four four years or so i was completely alone 
with all of these ideas. Like there, there was not one person that I could talk to about these, these things. So, yeah. yeah I, I fully understand that. So let's dive into a little bit of your mindset and uh, towards health and healthy living um, as, you know, as a consequence of, of your sort of um, focus shifting so heavily when you were 19 uh, towards these, uh, these topics. So what does healthy living, is, um, especially through food, actually mean to you? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't really have a canned answer for that, and I, I shouldn't. But uh, there are some things that I can say pretty confidently. Uh, one is that I think you should start from hydration. Like That's probably more important than the actual nutrition. And when you think about nutrition from, like let's say, paleo perspective, everything you would eat or find from nature like back in like let's say 10,000 years ago would be very hydrating the meat you would eat would be like super hydrating you know like maybe 70 percent or 60 percent of of the meat you can you can find in nature is actually mm -hmm. water and so i think that yeah so uh food is supposed to be uh, mostly mostly water and then you should also hydrate much better than we usually do nowadays. I mean, the quality of the tap water isn't really that good, and uh, nobody really wants to drink too much of that. But like, uh, I was in my friend's place uh, the night before, and uh, he had some freshly gathered spring water there, and some mm. chaga tea, and uh, also like some super high quality kombucha and things like that. And we were just just drinking away. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling really great. And also, uh, I've been introducing vegetables lately, and that's also uh, some, some pre pretty good hydration there. So, uh, I've, I feel like so many people, me included previously, would mistake uh, thirst for hunger. Uh, we would, like, nobody, not, not that many people are very properly hydrated nowadays, so we get all these cravings for, for example, sweets. And uh, uh, so many have, people have experienced that when they just hydrate themselves better, their cravings for sweets, for example, goes away. And that's pretty cool. Not that many people talk about that, but that's a that's, uh, very important insight. It, 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 it absolutely is. And, and it's, it's one of these things that, you know, uh, when we're, for example, working away on our office desks or whatnot, and we reach for the snack plate or something like that. And what we actually think ourselves is that we're hungry, uh, but it actually means that we're thirsty, just as you alluded to. So, so I fully agree with you on, on the fact that yes. you know, we should all focus more on drinking, drinking more water. Yes, But the problem is that if the next person just then goes to the tap water and uh, I'm not sure if that's going to be the answer. Uh, a lot of people have also experienced that they read from a health magazine that you should drink more and then they drink more and then they don't feel that that well after a while and uh, they, they can get some all, all kinds of problems. And then when they add in some high quality salt to their water, mm. then the problems go away. So that's also something that we don't talk about that much. but. Uh, oftentimes, we are told that uh, we, we uh, as human beings, we consist mostly of water, but that's actually not true. We consist of different kinds of 
salt and electrolyte rich uh, fluids. So that's that's also a really important insight. And I think so just drink. Yeah, yeah that, that's great because you know whenever you go see a doctor, they will say you know less salt, less salt. Yeah. Because obviously, yeah. most people have blood pressure issues and whatever you know pending heart conditions and whatnot so the the first ad, uh, um, advice you get is always like eat less salt and cut out the salt from your diet and that's like totally against what you're saying and I, I think that was a really great insight from your book when I read it like you you cannot just drink plain water like you know four to five liters a day it it, it simply doesn't work and most people will notice it in their well-being uh, when yes. they drink these massive loads of water, uh, that you know something is a bit off. So definitely a great tip. Just you know, and <laughs> emphasis on the good quality salt, not just some random you know cheapest uh, kind of stuff that you add into your glass. Yeah, and I always notice that when I hydrate myself super well, the the better I hydrate myself, uh, the better automatically is the quality of the foods that I will crave for. Mm. Like all the crappy cravings basically go away just from better hydration and also the salt or the minerals or the electrolytes and things like that. Like, for example, uh, this morning I'm adding some salt to my uh, rooibos tea, but I'm also adding this uh, electrolyte mix from a company called Puhdistamo. Mm. Mm-hmm. So there's also some magnesium, also some uh, potassium in different forms, mm-hmm. even uh bicarbonates and uh, uh, sulfur in the form of MSM. So, yeah, like different kinds of salts, not mm-hmm. just the sodium chloride. And so, have you always, so the, as yeah. you're like, um, I would imagine a bit of a geek and a biohacker, have you done any kind of um, extra testing, like blood testing or anything like related to your salt journey so that you would have had your blood taken before you started adding a bit of salt? Because I think this would be an interesting example to tell the people, you know, I started adding a bit of salt to my water and, uh, you know, nothing bad happened. My blood pressure didn't go through the roof and this kind of, you know, consequences that some people might think. So have you done any kind of next level testing around this? Well, uh, I haven't done this kind of before and after testing, but uh, maybe a few years ago, two years ago, I uh, went to the health dx uh, measurements by the biohackers here in Mm -hmm. finland they have this they have some pretty good testing not just the normal blood test that you might get Mm -hmm. from your local uh, doctor but uh, some uh, in their testing they they are also measuring from inside the cell not just the extracellular fruit and things like that so it's it's pretty good stuff and Mm -hmm. uh all like all my markers and there were a lot of them were in the green but there there was just one that was a little bit on the yellow side and that was something that was probably related to the to the stress of uh because i'm I'm afraid of those needles so yeah <laughs> but uh and that's i think that's pretty true across the board i haven't seen the scientific study that says that salt is bad uh I think it's it has more to do with some kind of weird politics or something, and you can you can also research that yourself. Try to find the science that actually points to the dangers of salt, and then if if you do find something like that, then really look through that and and that, that that's just something worth mm. worth your own research, because I I would say that 
that's just simply not true. Yeah, yeah, and you know, for our listeners, an easy way to test this is you know, be your own guinea pig and you know, do get the blood test done and then you know, try it out for I don't know three to six months and then get another test done and see for yourself if if anything bad yeah. or good happens. And this this will sound very like woo woo and tinfoil hat and things like that, but I have been doing these things for more than 10 years. I have been advising many of my friends or things like that. So uh, I have had so, so many stories of people just upgrading the quality of their salt and then getting rid of like their blood pressure medications or problems like that. That has been very common across the board, mm -hmm. just the quality of the salt. And then let's say that I go to the internet and I write about that. I probably will get a lot of comments saying that you're so uh, so wrong there because the quality of the salt doesn't matter at all. It's always it's only sodium chloride, and there, yeah, there might be tr some trace amounts of something, but that it's only trace amount and it cannot have any effect. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it, it is uh, interesting and probably a never-ending conversation um, as well. But so, in in your um, view, Oli, what are some like what types of salts would you would you describe as high high quality salts that we could uh, we could add into our drinks and waters yeah it's kind of the same as with any food or drink choice the more unrefined the better yeah. usually and uh not just unrefined in a random sense but in a, the kind of sense that has a lot of tradition behind it so that's kind of what i go for like for example let's say celtic sea salt that has been gathered in the age-old methods. So that's probably a pretty good choice. I will go for the kinds of salts that have some kind of color in them, not just a bleached white, mm -hmm. but something maybe a little bit more gray. Or, of course, there are all these uh, rock salts. And yeah, of course, you can read articles that the uh, unrefined sea salt might have some microplastics in there, or maybe the rock salts will have some maybe trace amounts of nickel in there or something like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, the way I see that, like, for example, if you want to breathe, you cannot find completely pristine air in the, in this globe yeah. uh, nowadays. So, so I, I wouldn't see it as a huge, like, I mean, if the, if the amount of, let's say microplastics in the, few grams of salt that you will eat. If that's a problem, then you should never eat any fish. True, true, yeah. yeah. Very, very true. Now, um, you state that your mission is to make food and food production bet better than it has ever been in the history of humankind. Now, what are some of the key attributes that how can we actually get there? And what would be the starting point in your mind? Yeah, I mean, that's a very, very fascinating question because the way I see it is that whether we're talking about food production or just health in general, there has always been this, how could we say, maybe regenerative paradigm. Mm. But then uh, for the last like 100, 100 years, the dominant paradigm has been the one where you just cut, burn, poison everything, where you see a problem and then you shoot it with a shotgun. So what I'm saying is that when it comes to... Uh, taking care of health, there is this natural paradigm, like you can go to an alternative healer and they will just help, gently help your body kind of heal itself. Mm -hmm. But then there's this dominant paradigm where it's like, 
we should cut you, we should burn you, we should poison you. I mean, we should medicate you yeah. with some really, really harsh chemicals. Mm-hmm. And then when you get some more problems from using those, then we give you more harsh chemicals to mask, mask those symptoms and things like that. So there's also the same, same thing with how we treat our soil. There is this natural regenerative paradigm where you want to increase the value of your soil. You let's say you have a uh, you have your own own thing in the in the countryside, and uh, you you want to increase the the livelihood. Uh, I mean, the, you want mm. you want to make sure that next year the soil is doing even better than this year. I mean, that you have more microbial life there, you have more of the healthy topsoil and things like that. But then the dominant paradigm has been for the last hundred years that you just put more more chemicals, uh, mm-hmm. fertilizers, pesticides, things like that. And, uh, and the, the value of your land will go down year by year. And that's kind of interesting. How, like, why, why have we chosen that kind of paradigm? Well, I mean, of course, it serves some big interests, but it doesn't serve the landowner at all. Just like going to the doctor and taking all those harsh chemicals doesn't serve the patient, but it does serve some really big interest, mm. uh, like some big industry and things like that. So, uh, yeah, that's extremely interesting. And uh, if we want to make our food production better than ever, first, we have to change our paradigm. We have to realize that the current paradigm that we're on, it only serves the big, big agriculture. But if we want to serve the interest of the landowner and the interest of the person buying the food and also the interest of just just this whole (laughs) global uh, ecosystem, then we have to just change the paradigm. And then within that paradigm, we can find all sorts of innovations and we can innovate it further. Right now, like I could point to, let's say, biodynamic agriculture and uh, permaculture, things like that. But I feel that because that hasn't been the dominant paradigm, yeah. uh, we haven't had too much innovation. We haven't had too much like market, market forces working to our advantage and taking the field forward. But I feel like uh, if we could have like one-tenth of the energy that we have going to developing for example information technology if we could have just one tenth of the talent and energy and funding going into innovations in the let's say uh healthier food production paradigm then we could already have like maybe let's say i'm, I'm in this room and there there's uh plenty of uh empty space here i mean like for example the corners uh the, the higher corners, there's there's nothing there. But we we could have some really cool devices there, just uh, producing super high quality fresh food for me. I mean, we we don't have any of that yet. We don't have that kind of interesting Absolutely. industry going on. But we we could have that. If but first, what we need to do, we need to realize that uh, we we need to get masses of people uh, realizing that there is this there is a difference in. Uh, in quality of let's say one apple and another apple mm. like all apples are not the same and that the those differences actually they are measurable and they are very meaningful and you should pay more for the better quality and then we also need to get people realizing that the differences in the quality of let's say different apples they come from the way they are produced and the production methods that uh 
that make uh, low quality apples are also bad for the environment and bad for the landowner. And the really high quality methods, they are good for everyone and everything except for the big agriculture. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the only problem that we have. Uh, the, the only bottleneck really is that uh, we don't people we don't get that information out there, and that's because because the uh, power is concentrated still in the hands of the big agriculture. But the good thing is that this is all changing already. This uh, regenerative paradigm, regenerative agriculture, it's a, uh, it's a buzzword almost mm -hmm. nowadays. So times are changing, nevertheless. So that's really, really exciting. I'm really looking forward to what, how, how good, good of a quality food I can get 10 years from now. It's going to be interesting. And I think one great, sorry, Nico, to, to um, cut you there. Uh, so one great insight in your book is actually um, for all of us that, um, you know, it, it's, it's a very unique time when we uh, human beings pay so little um, for our food, like compared mm. to our other cost of living, we're not sort of, we're expecting to get everything cheap. And that is thanks to this, you know, mass production and, and big agriculture and whatnot. But we're kind of spoiled yeah. in a way that we don't even want to pay more. And then we get angry. Like, why should I pay more for this better quality apple? And, you know, wh why should we put more money into developing these kind of new uh, green solutions? And, you know, things, uh, co companies, let's say like Nava or Plantui or yeah. other you know, companies who are trying really hard to bring parts of nature or, you know, home farming or whatever it's called when you grow plants for nutrition in your home. Uh, but it's kind of, we, we really need to shift um, our mindset entirely and sort of expect to invest more into, you know, better quality food because that ultimately uh, ends up in, in better health. Yes. But if I am the common person who believes in, in the official narrative, then I will believe that there are no differences in food quality. And if there are, it doesn't matter. So then I will buy the cheapest pasta. I will yes. buy the cheapest, uh, let's say, tuna fish or whatever. Because there is, in my mind, and in the, uh, through the information that I believe, there is absolutely no reason to pay, pay any kind of premium for any quality because that doesn't really exist. And that's food and health is the only market where we think that way. I mean, let's say you're buying a car. You're not just automatically going to buy the cheapest car because you know that there are quality differences and they are quite meaningful. So let's say you have a bit more budget, then maybe you will go for a better quality car. But, mm -hmm. but that's because we don't have this uh, car ministry telling us these lies. We don't have this official narrative where like every other magazine is telling us that there are no absolutely no differences in the quality of these cars. But in the food and health market, we have these ministries and these scientists and these big media companies telling us that there are no quality differences. And when you think about that, that's very odd. I mean, I cannot name one other market where the consumer is so misled that you should only buy the cheapest. And that's yeah. very, very interesting. Like, how is that possible? But of course, we know why that, that is possible. Uh, yeah, there, there has we, been, we've uh, had societies where, you know, <laughs> politicians have told truths about everything. 
uh, to the big herds and we've seen how successful those societies were so <laughs> let's not go there <laughs> yeah. so but but it's, it's so interesting that when it comes to health and food we have gone there and that's that's so strange <laughs> yeah so this is an interesting context for for sure, and and obviously only as per what you what you just said, um, you're seeing already changes in consumer behavior, in terms of buying better quality foods um, and being more mindful of your own health. For example, not taking all the medication, but maybe doing preventative stuff like building your up your healthy habits um, and eating healthier, uh, eating healthier and better quality food, moving more and all, all that type of stuff as well. So in this in this sort of context, um, um, then how do how would you um, like describe a good quality food or what what does the good quality actually mean in the context of food? That's a very excellent question also, because that's uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's always a good conversation, and of course, I don't have any uh, perfect answers for that because I think that quality is always more or less subjective thing. True, true, yeah. But also, there are some things that you can say pretty much for sure. That, for example, if you uh, compare uh, like a very very bad song with a very good symphony, you can. You can see certain differences. I think that what one marker of good quality in anything is that there is there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of uh, yeah. There, there's there's a lot of nuance, mm. and uh, but there's also it's it's not just random. Uh, it's there's harmony in the complexity. That's usually a marker of quality like if you have that symphony you have like so many things there going on but it's still it sounds good so it's also the same with food uh let's take white sugar there's not that much in there there's only this one chemical basically and then maybe some some toxin leftovers from the production process and then let's say that you take a uh, blueberry yeah that's also a source of sugar but there's so much in there and it all kind of works in a synergistic fashion, more or less. And when you taste it, it's like, yeah, this is pretty good. Mm. So, so it's actually not, not that complicated to find quality food. Uh, yeah, I, I cannot, like, if you're talking about quantitative measures, like how much vitamin C is somewhere, then you can say that uh, this berry has two times more vitamin C than that one. But if you want to say that, is this berry does does this berry have two times more quality than the other then that that's a quite a kind of silly question because there's not one measurement that you can measure the quality by but but you can put things in order that's somewhat subjective but you but you still can do it i mean that uh, uh let's say you compare uh, this organic ice cream with that organic ice cream then which one is better? Maybe, you know, maybe you think that's better and maybe I think that the other one is better. Mm. So it's not so clear always which one is better. But if you compare like the worst ice cream, <laughs> the, the cheapest ice cream in the supermarket with like some super high quality organic artisan ice cream, then it's super clear which one is better. And that's enough. That's all we need to know. Yeah, because that, that's, that helps us navigate in the supermarket. Uh, you don't... If, if you're not sure about something, then don't worry about that. 
like you don't have to have the perfect information to make these quality choices but let's say that you have this uh, bad habit of uh, buying always going for the candy candy aisle then uh, let if if you can upgrade it let's say you you like mangoes and then you switch from those candies to those fresh mangoes then that's that's so much better that you don't need to think about it uh, too much to be sure that that you have probably made a pretty good shift so so it's uh, you can philosophize about it endlessly but you don't really have to because uh, I think I, I mean you could teach this to a five-year-old and it would be so clear like of course the real thing is better than the completely artificial one with uh, like super bad uh, uh, like chemical additives and things exactly. like that so so like uh, of course some people will be like yeah but i'm not so sure i i need to i need to know more about like uh, are you sure that this additive is is as bad as you say or are you sure that all these phytonutrients in the in the real foods that they are really really that beneficial no i don't know but i don't need to i i know that the more you study those bad things and those artificial things the more bad things you will find hmm. And the more you study those good phytonutrients and things like that, the more good things you will find. So why don't you just make the choice already, even before we have all the science in? Now, I think that that's a, that's a great way to look at it and a great, um, great suggestion, great tip um, for sure. It doesn't need to be that complex either. You know, it's, you simply choose between a, a dried um, mango um, slice or something versus a real mango or a mango candy or whatnot. That's a... As a simple answer, which one will be will be better for you in the long term? But I guess yes. um, and you don't always have to like you don't always have to try to make the best possible choice. Mm -hmm. But like we have so clear upgrades that we can so easily make. So why wouldn't we just make them? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and once you're operating in the real food um, sort of scene already, so you've given given up candy and those kind of artificial things. I think in the book you had some really good pointers on on sort of how how to get good quality food from the real foods that you're choosing, anyways. So that would be the the vibrant color, um, sniffing things, you know, smelling things, going for organic when possible, and these kind of I think simple things that most of us can actually. Um, choose based on gut feel you know go yes. natural you, what not, would, yeah what would you yeah. do if you were in nature like would you pick the raw apples that you know looks awful and is super hard or the you know super ripe one so yeah uh, well i mean i think that's why it's pretty good actually that we are in the supermarket and not in the wild nature i mean in the wild nature the the apples aren't really even edible yeah they are <laughs> and uh and, and the same goes for many plants there. Mm. Like if you would put me to an, let's say an, an island in pretty much any country, and I would have to survive on just what I can find there for, for one month, I probably couldn't do it. You know, <laughs> I mean, you, you would have to, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not easy. It's much easier to navigate the supermarket. 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, but, I mean, I, I am traditionally, um, I, I have been at least, um, uh, sort of a skeptic towards the organic versus non-organic uh, producer. And is there actually any difference? And as per only what you mentioned, there is quite a lot of um, science supporting the fact that there isn't much differences between organic produce and, and non, non-organic. However, um, um, like in recent two years, I've, I've become more and more open-minded towards the benefits of, of organic simply by by like taking quite simple examples such such as the fact that I, I love blueberries myself and yeah, if I go and buy the 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 blueberries here in Singapore um, which are which come from say US or something which are the bush grown blueberries versus the fact that if I go in into a forest in Finland and pick the blueberries from the from the ground I mean, there is such a clear difference in the in the taste, smell, color, everything that that you know. It would be hard to imagine why the forest blueberries would not actually be better for you, even though the you know, science might not be so clear on it. Yeah, and this is not uh, really that black and white thing because mm-hmm. I don't. I wouldn't always go for organic. I mean, mm-hmm. organic only means that it fulfill certain very bureaucratic, sometimes even silly criteria. Like organic is not the highest standard that there sure. could be. And, uh, and sometimes it's just, just the same thing, but uh, with a higher price tag. Uh, so for example, mm, let's say that I'm in the egg aisle looking for some good eggs. And uh, let's say the normal eggs that kind of taste pretty horrible maybe uh, they might be like, let's say two euros a kilo. And then the organic ones might be like eight euros a kilo. And they, they are somewhat better, but they are still eating crappy food. I mean, no chicken should eat anything dry. Like in the nature, they just don't eat anything dry. They will eat a lot of greens and then they will eat all, all kinds of little creepy crawlies that they find and, and things like that. They will eat pretty much anything. Uh, you can also give your food scraps to them and they will happily eat those. But even the the best organic feed that you can buy for your chicken, it's completely dried and it's completely ultra processed. So it's already, even though it's organic, it's pretty much the lowest quality food that you could feed any, mm-hmm. <laughs> any being. So I'm not really that, that big of a fan of organic. Uh, if the, in the same aisle, sometimes, there might be some eggs from some small local farmer where the eggs, where the chickens are much more free and actually have a much better diet. And the price of those eggs might be like four euros, like maybe half of the price of the organic. Yeah. And they are like so much better eggs. So when I'm in the supermarket, I'm always looking for those kinds of deals. Organic is like, okay, let's say that I have too much money in my wallet and I don't know what to do with it and I know, don't know that much about sourcing quality food, then if I just buy everything organic, I won't go... I mean, that, that, that's a pretty good strategy. Uh, that, like, you, you can't really go wrong that much uh, wrong with organic. Mm-hmm. Even if you buy organic candies or something, it's, it's going to be somewhat better. Mm. I mean, not just in terms of pesticides, but also in terms of the chemical additives that the manufacturers are allowed to use things like that are also better in the organic 
choices. So organic is a pretty good way to upgrade, especially the kinds of uh, products that have more than one ingredient. Like for example, ice cream. If you switch from normal ice cream to organic ice cream, the whole product will be better in a lot of ways. Like absolutely, absolutely. So in, in terms of like, because it, it is interesting just to sort of return um, back into sort of the, the organic versus non-organic or, or sort of within the same food group, how you could actually measure um, the nutritional contents uh, in it. Um, I was listening to one of your YouTube videos where you quite brilliantly discussed the, the issue that um, the, the, the sort of food regulators in different countries, such as Finelli in, in Finland and USDA in the US, um, they don't differentiate nutritional contents between the same food item, um, but for example, organic versus non-organic. And so what do you think is the reason behind this? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, whatever you do in this world, let's mm. say you're a big organization, you have all these stakeholder groups, whether you know it or not. But I mean, every organization has stakeholders. And some of those stakeholders have more power than others. For example, one of your stakeholders is just nature and global ecosystems and things like that. But those don't have too much power. You know, you want to treat those well, but they don't have that much power. You know, mm. so and then also, let's say that you are uh, like Finelli or uh, these kinds of things, where that who are supposed to look for the good for good of the public and who are supposed to inform the public. How much how much power does the public actually have on those organizations? Not much. Mm. You cannot vote for the people in those positions and you cannot either vote with your dollars. I think the the basic insight behind behind the modern society is that is is this uh idea of democracy. Sometimes democracy means that you can vote for different politicians or sometimes it means that you can vote with your dollars or euros or things like that. But we have so many completely undemocratic organizations in our society that we actually uh, give a lot of power to. And that's kind of strange because we're like, we believe in this idea of democracy, but we don't really do it too much. So you as a consumer have pretty much zero power on who sits in the Finale or the USDA mm. on who makes the choices there. <laughs> so, okay, let's, so, so you or, or we as public, are one of their stakeholders, but we don't have, we have like zero power on them pretty much. Like we don't even know the, usually the names of the people who are in there, let alone that we could fire them or anything like that. So, so then which stakeholder groups have power in them? Well, I would say that the big industry has a bit more power on them. The big science, which is uh, in close contact with uh, or who, who gets their funding from the big science, they have much more power on those organizations. But the big industry is the one who's kind of mm, funding everything. I mean, not directly or indirectly. Uh, or let's say that they are funding things more than any other stakeholder groups, and that kind of gives them mm -hmm. more power. So, I mean, power is in, in, it's in different kinds. It comes in so many forms. Of course, let's say that I can just give you directly money, then maybe I have some power over you. 
but <laughs> there are other forms also. Let's say that I have a lot of power to influence uh, whether you will, well, like how, how, your, how you can advance in your career. That's a more indirect form, but it still works nevertheless. So uh, we shouldn't be too naive about these things. Mm. Sometimes we are, but we, we shouldn't really. We shouldn't think that a completely undemocratic organization is there to just serve our interests. Like it, it just doesn't happen like that. Sure, sure. So uh, the, the dominant paradigm in the health and food sciences is whatever benefits the ones who have the most power. It kind of tends to end up like that when there are some... Um, uh, when there are some like industries in the society that uh, have very, very much power and money concentrated into them. Mm. Like uh, I have seen it even, even in, my, in the circle of my friends that when somebody is a, like a multimillionaire, then they will have a lot of people around them kind of maybe t taking advantage of them a little bit. And, uh, you know, like if, if somebody has like tens of millions of euros or dollars, they, they will have a kind of ecosystem around them and, and they will have power over those and you no know, th things happen like that. But then when there's an industry that has like thousands of billions or hundreds of billions of euros or dollars, then it's, <laughs> it's next level. So, I mean, let's say that the industry, all industry funding stopped completely. There would be no universities, you know. Yeah, so yeah, very pretty true, much. Very true. Yeah, and uh, I would it, imagine they, the best they, thing they, they would to be do is the, sort of to educate would be, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, the, my point is that uh, it's it's quite logical that the these organ, I mean, these. Um, like Finelli and USDA, that they, they don't educate us about the food quality differences and the, the meaning of those, because it's always true in, in the current, current world that the bigger the industry, the poorer the quality of the food that they produce. It's, it's almost linear, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to find the best quality food, you will find it from like some small... biodynamic farm that it and that's and if you want to find uh, super low quality or if you want to find big scale then you can go for like coca-cola or mars company or things like that so so the power is concentrated in the low quality so they have a huge in incentive to uh spread the kind of information that there are no quality differences or that the quality differences don't matter and that's very interesting to me is that like in my life I feel that I want to uh, do really good things but then I also want to do big things and that's always a challenge but that's a very interesting and meaningful challenge and uh, that hasn't been tackled that much yet so we are still in a situation where if something is really big then it's really bad <laughs> quality usually and if something is really good quality then it's very small and it doesn't have any power over those organizations. 
Yeah, that's that's very very uh, very interesting insights right there. We have the, the 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 one power we have as consumers is the is is the power of choice, um, uh, which then sort of leads us into um, your great book, Supermarket Survival. Um, so when <clears throat> when we are actually making our food choices in the supermarket or grocery stores. Um, how do we how can we like optimize our choices in terms of um, making better food food choices uh, buying the right types of food items um, which would optimize our, our health yeah I think the best idea is to just start where you're at and start with what you're already doing what you already like the habits that you already have ingrained in you and uh, maybe find ways to upgrade those like if there's some habit that you really want to change, but you haven't really been able to like, mm. uh, I always go for the ice cream or the candy, then uh, just find a way to upgrade that. I mean, you can go for the, let's say organic ice cream, or you can go for something that's kind of similar to ice cream, but still different. Like for example, I can make something akin to ice cream in my home that actually tastes much better and is made from much better ingredients. Like for example, uh, honey and, real cream or coconut cream and maybe berries and that's kind of like ice cream that kind of takes yeah, away yeah. the craving for ice cream so that kind of thinking but then also it's uh whatever habits that you have you can also just try new good things like for example you can be pretty sure even if you're not a scientist or anything like that or expert you can be pretty sure that for example sauerkraut might be a good thing so maybe that's something you could just try out and if you can add in like one tablespoon of sauerkraut maybe even organic sauerkraut or kimchi or something to your normal meal and then maybe you'll feel better after the meal or maybe you don't maybe you just absolutely don't like <laughs> the taste of sauerkraut and then don't worry about it but if you let's say that during the next month or so you will try like 10 new things that are probably pretty healthy if it agrees with you and then maybe five of those you will actually like or maybe three of those will become like uh, lifelong long habits or, and I think that's, that's the way I would do it because in our no, uh, common nutritional and health paradigm, it's always like you as a normal person, you should follow these instructions. You, you should eat according to the official recommendations. And the reason why you're fat is that you don't move enough and you don't follow these guidelines well enough. So I wouldn't go there. That's that's a very condescending way <laughs> to talk to somebody. I would say that, hey, whatever you're doing, that just go for it. But here are some ideas where you might enjoy whatever you're doing even a bit more if it agrees with you. Like here, here are 10 ideas. And if you like two of those, then that's pretty good. That's and don't, don't really worry about great. it. So, so, kind of, so it's, it's like, uh, are you going against the grain or, or like... Uh, how do you say it? I mean, yeah, I mean, you can, you can fight your own nature and you can try to push yourself to do things that aren't natural to you and that you don't really like. And you can just cry every time you have to eat those things that, you, that are supposed to be healthy. But I don't think that's the way to be healthy. I think it's, you should actually make it e easier. I think the way to become healthy is the way of fun and, and ease and pleasure. Uh, we're super healthy kind of healthy kind of pleasure that definitely because you know we, we are big fans of habit building and 
what we believe is it has to happen gradually. You don't change overnight. Like, okay, from tomorrow on, I will, you know, meditate an hour a day. I will do two hours of exercise. Then I will sleep eight hours a night. Then I will, you know, eat only pure organic greens uh, yeah. for the entire day. So if you try to do these massive changes overnight, it will never work. You might, you know, yes. continue with it for two weeks and then you're exhausted, you hate it, you hate your life and then you quit and then you're even worse, you know, compared to what, where yes. you started from. So, you know, we at HealthZilla, we have this very similar approach to habit building. It takes time and you need to build it up gradually, like one healthy habit at a time. And while we're not able to sort of incorporate this supermarket experience into the digital app experience mm -hmm. that we've built, I think we still very much um, advocate a similar approach in the supermarket. Like don't try to, you know, cut all the bad things right away, but rather swap one bad thing to a good thing. Like you mentioned with the, you know, kimchi or natto or sauerkraut, like, you know, add some good things there and it's kind of natural then to start dropping the bad things yeah exactly and i think one very very big insight here is that let's say that you have two choices in front of you like two uh new healthy habits that you could try to incorporate and you know for sure that the both are equally as healthy whichever one you are able to incorporate but the habit number one is not so pleasant it's not so easy it's it's quite hard it's quite difficult it's quite burdensome and it will take like many many weeks to really uh, get into and then the other one equally equally as healthy is easy is tasty is pleasurable it's something that you want to do something that you crave for like even something that you fall in love like immediately then which one is the smarter strategy well of course the latter one so that's something that's kind of missing in our uh, health strategy conversation oftentimes. We think that all, ha all good habits are kind of as good in terms of like stra stra strategy, but they're not. I mean, the, the ones that are the easiest, the ones that are the most pleasurable, if they are also healthy, those are the ones you, just, you should start from. And then once you have kind of picked all those low-hanging fruits, then you can also think that yeah, is there still something maybe a little bit more difficult, a little bit more burdensome, a little bit like not even so pleasurable that I could also try. Like, uh, let's say that I'm not so much into meditation, but I can first just uh, find, <laughs> find, let's say, uh, better candies for myself that I really like. Like, for example, if I'm into mangoes, I can eat mangoes and it's, it's fun and I don't crave candies anymore. And that's a huge upgrade to my health. But then when, once I've kind of picked those low-hanging fruits, and like, for example, let's say I, I really enjoy tennis, then I start playing more tennis and that's, yeah, like I, my life is better. But then once I've done all those, then I can think that maybe I should also try that meditation that I'm not so much into. And but maybe let, let's see if I can incorporate that also. But if we start from the difficult ones, the burdensome ones, then we might end up increasing our stress levels and decreasing our uh life enjoyment levels that i know for myself in my life i want to get rid of all the overhead i want to feel as free as possible i want to feel like when i wake up today that uh i have like i have so many good choices in front of me that i really am into like if i love tennis that oh i i have a, i i get to play tennis today 
and if i if i love uh like these delicious healthy foods then like oh i get to eat today these things that i really love so i think it's a really good strategy to like let's say i i give you 10 ideas of better habits then see which one of those ones that are certainly somewhat healthy which one ones of those are the kinds that you could really fall in love with and then you will have like zero stress life you know like if you uh construct if you build your life uh with things that you like like in the that's kind of the same idea as in the konmari book that you should go through all the uh items that you have in your life and if the, the ones that you don't absolutely love you should pretty much throw away and that's like that's a pretty extreme idea but but it's still a good one to consider also in terms of health habits that so that if if you really don't love meditation but you love walking in the nature then you should maybe go just walk in the nature and maybe to just to put this into some some very valuable insights obviously um but if if we put this into the context of our food choices in in the supermarket that would sort of be like okay so if 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 i love candy then i would switch the candy to real fruits for example which is an easy choice a very tasty one as well at the same time uh you would um if if you love burgers or pizza for example rather than going and buying one from uh from the fast food chains or or whatnot you could make your own from fresh whole food ingredients back at home which would most more, most likely be more healthier and nutrient dense and maybe even lower calories if, if you may um and healthier for you um and if you are already in that whole food type of eating um uh, process if you may then you you could s- simply start switching your whole food ingredients from uh, mass produced into into like locally produced uh, free ranging uh, and organic would that would that be like a like a good summary of that yeah but also i would add in there that i'm not the kind of person who would uh make my own hamburgers every day because I have so many other things to do. Hmm. So I will always go for the easiest choices and the ones that burden me the least. Because like I said, I have so many other things to think about and course, yeah, yeah. so many other things that I like I I'm doing so many different like projects and jobs <laughs> like kind of at the same time. So I don't want to make my health one one uh burdensome project on top of the others sure so like if if i was craving for some hamburger i would maybe buy uh like organic maybe what's the word metwurst or or something like some some kind of uh something salty and something that has maybe meat but something that i can just just eat right away (laughs) so So but also a shortcut basically to to kill the cravings right yeah in a way that doesn't hurt me so much and that actually uh nourishes me more so yeah like i i don't try to be the kind of person who who is always like working on his health like so many hours a day because i have so much use for those hours i want to uh, yeah i'm I'm kind of a minimalist maybe in in that sense that i i want to find the maybe the minimum optimum shall we say yeah where like yeah how, how can i with the 
least amount of effort get the most results basically mm -hmm. and i think that requires a bit of thinking like you know if you're craving for a burger meal with the french fries and whatnot like you mentioned like if you get a nice pack of salami or something yeah, and you know yeah. it, it's fatty it's salty it's you know it, it hits the spot so i think this um is kind of a personal thinking process for all of us like if you're craving for something you have to dig deep and find find out what it is exactly that you're craving for like is it the salt or is it the fat or is it like the texture or whatever yeah, that is yeah. and then find an easy alternative for that in case you're unable to cook that you know wholesome burger meal at home yeah exactly and the good thing is that you only have to do that thinking or that innovation once and then it will serve you for the rest of your life automatically so that's pretty cool yeah very good so uh, obviously um there is a lot of discussion about like um superfoods and supplements um in the health and wellness industry uh, nowadays Oli, what are some of your thoughts in terms of what what key sort of superfoods and or supplements we should all include in our diets if any yeah, very great question. I think the way I want to answer that is also in the context context of the whole whole life. I mean, even health is not the like the only thing that matters, you know. So there's always a price for everything and things like that. So so it always comes down to your personal preferences, like how much do you want to invest your money, how how much do you want to invest your time, and, and some some people their optimum is that they are just from the morning to the that like all day they're they're in their own kitchen doing things from high quality ingredients and for some people this what it easier i think superfood it's something that uh costs quite a bit of money but it's quite uh quite fat like it's kind of the uh highest quality highest priced fast food in a way you know mm -hmm. like su superfood is something that you can leave in your in your bag and it doesn't rot there like a, like the mango would you know so superfood is it's uh yeah it's it's easy it's convenient uh it stores well things like that but yeah it costs money mm -hmm. so some people might have a place for that yeah, it, and uh for me, from those superfoods, I think I, I eat a lot of uh, chlorella and spirulina. I like those. And uh, I, I like some collagen powders because mm. I feel like that's something that we're somewhat missing in our modern diets. And uh, uh, I think my number one superfood is juicing the highest quality vegetables that I can find. That's sure. like, if, if I would, I, I wouldn't really need any other superfoods besides that. That would be the number one. Um, when it comes to supplements, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't live without magnesium and uh, omega-3 oils. Those would be the two ones that I just, uh, I, I, I really need to have those. And I think that actually goes for more people than we realize. A lot of people would benefit from some high quality magnesium and really high quality omega-3 oils. I think I think those are like very, very good tips. Um, and I fully agree with you on on, on both. 
um, um, the supplement side, magnesium and omega oils, um, especially good quality ones, are something that yeah, which which will be healthy for you uh, in the long term uh, for sure. So I, I, I agree on that. Now, Laura, what were some of some of your some of the the key sort of um, um, learnings or or questions which might have come out of your reading experience to all this book? Uh, there were so many so many insights and I think some of them I, I already brought up but I actually do have a special um, question for Oli because um, my personal background I I love food I, I love superfood I, I, I'm like a total next level foodie uh, and I Ooh. pay a lot of money to, to get good quality food and since we live in Singapore where a lot of the produce is brought over from China Ooh. so it's super oh, bad okay. So okay. I tend to buy the very pricey organic stuff over here, which comes from Australia and United States and, you know, wherever. And I, you know, I order a lot of things from iHerb. So uh, mm. I'm kind of in the geek category here. Um, but That's cool. I ended up buying because, you know, uh, you mentioned you're, you're not a massive fan of nuts and you prefer to get seeds instead. And I think your, your justification for for that was that you know seeds are smaller they're, they're more nutrient dense and I, I i really bought that i i love seeds as well and the funny thing here is that every single international school over here has a super strict nut policy so my kids as well when they go to school all their you know snacks and food and whatnot needs to be completely nut free and, really? okay. you know, after school, when they have their after school hobbies and activities, so kids usually spend eight hours at school over here. And after that, they still do hobbies. So it's a really long day. And I pack all the food, obviously, as a geek, because I don't want them to eat whatever <laughs> is, is offered at school. So you can either buy school lunch or bring your own. Um, but the thing is, you know, when, when they have their hobbies, there's like a five minute time slot um, to, to have a healthy snack. And we actually were able to buy all sorts of raw bars over, over here in Singapore, which is usually from the States or from Australia, but they're all nut-based. So there is a lot of, you know, cashews or whatever, and that obviously dates always to, to get some texture. Um, but I struggle to find like really healthy, nut-free snacks. And as a consequence, and I'm sorry, this is a really, <laughs> really long rant to get to the point, I ended up ordering, um, I think it was called uh, Satcha Inchi Seeds, uh, mm. which is, you know, it was advertised in, in the, you know, organic shop where I usually buy my nuts and uh, whatever superfoods from. It was advertised as, you know, the, the perfect nut-free option in this society where, you know, nuts are just bad because there are so many um, students with nut allergies which are super serious. And those taste awful. Like I, I love, I love most nuts. I love seeds, but these things that I bought, they just taste awful. So my question is whether you're familiar with this sacha seed, and whether you have any tips on how to utilize that in a manner that is edible. Because now I, 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 I gave it to the kids, and they said the same. Like, mom, what are you giving to us? Like, it tastes awful. So, <laughs> any tips? Yeah, on how you find that. <laughs> Uh, I would say that maybe it's gone rancid or something. Okay. Perhaps. Uh, somebody said very well that nuts are a fresh food. Yeah. 
nuts are really good when they're fresh. Like if you go to the Australia and it's it's the season for this certain nut, yeah. then it's going to be great. Yeah. But other than that, it's not really like we don't we have forgotten that we don't we don't know that nuts are a fresh food. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's one big problem. And maybe another one is that if I go to the health food store here and I buy some organic, pretty okay quality nuts, then I would like to soak them. Okay. That, that's something that we're also missing nowadays. Uh, maybe I I'll mean, try to soak I, them overnight and see if they get any better. Because, you know, these are kids who eat kimchi and natto and I would say a very acquired taste for a lot of things yeah. uh, but still they, they were like no we're not gonna eat these <laughs> yeah because i have tasted such seeds and they were pretty good but okay. i think the the texture was so that uh yeah i think they they probably have quite a lot of uh some uh really sensitive omega oils in them so yeah. they might go rancid easily so i okay. think that's probably what's happened and the soaking is not going to help with that okay okay maybe i'll just you know order another pack and give it another go i'll, I'll i can yeah. give the old ones to you nico if you're <laughs> yeah not but i mean i mean <laughs> yeah but I, I mean don't get me wrong nuts are nuts are pretty okay if they're pretty okay mm. and uh but i get too many questions from people that where it's like i have all these health problems and like my stomach isn't really good and i'm like okay what are you eating well i mean i i heard that nuts are healthy and uh so i'm always like every day eating like maybe 100 or 200 grams of cashew nuts as snacks and I'm like, oh, wow. please don't do that <laughs> you know like ha have a have a nut here or there but please don't eat like i mean cashew nuts they are one of those nuts that have I think, like in the Finnish customs, they have these uh, limits for certain toxins in certain yeah. foods. You know, like you cannot import uh, nuts that have like more than X amount of okra toxin A or or mycotoxin this or whatever. And with the cashew nuts, they have to like I don't know maybe maybe up that limit like ten times because you just don't get any cashew nuts that that are as low as they should be in those yeah. mycotoxins. So that's pretty horrible, you know? Mm. So please like, don't, don't eat that much of those. And also uh, your omega six to omega three ratio will go very bad. If you eat lots of nuts, they are yeah. pretty much all of them are pretty high in omega six. And, and there are so, so many, so, so many things like that. that uh, uh, yeah. I mean, have, have a nut here or there, but don't think that, uh, don't buy the idea that oh nuts are so healthy to, so i will eat like 100 or 200 grams every day like absolutely no yeah and i think it's just funny that in in the raw bar industry which is you know kind of if you need a quick snack I'm, I'm not a fan of snacking but in certain you know circumstances it's just inevitable that you need to have like something pre-packed uh, yeah. they always contain nuts and a lot of nuts and i'm like because a lot of the kids at school, they get Oreos for a snack because those are not free. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why are there not enough not free healthy options? Like, seriously? <laughs> but maybe the yeah, industry yeah. Is, is hearing my, my wish. Please, have not free options. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, good point. 
I'm really happy that here in the Finnish uh, health market, uh, there's this company called Foodin, and they are actually pre-soaking some of their nuts, which are already organic to begin with. And Mm. that's, uh, I feel like when I'm eating those nuts, that, okay, I could eat a lot of these. But the normal kind of nuts, I'm always feeling, yeah, I can have, have a few, but but then it's it kind of I, I get this heavy feeling if I eat a handful of nuts that haven't been soaked. Like it, it kind of like I, I I could think to myself that this is probably healthy, but then I'm like, oh, why don't I feel that energetic? You know. That, that is interesting for sure. I'm, I'm going to try out um, the the nut soaking uh, you know, myself as well. And one of the one of the issues with with nuts such as cashews and almonds and Brazil nuts and and so forth. Simply, uh, in addition to to that, as you mentioned, Oli, um, is the fact that if you eat 200 grams of cashews, for example, that's going to be like a thousand two hundred calories already. So it's like very uh, like energy dense um, dense as well. So from that angle, it can be a bit dangerous too. Yeah, and it's it's not very balanced. There there are like so so many problems. Mm. Oh, yeah. There and also one thing is that, yeah, it's one thing to buy cashews, even like uh, preferably organic cashews. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when you buy those bars, uh, guess what happens to the cashews that uh, aren't good enough to be sold as cashews? They kind of tend to end up in those bars. <laughs> Yep, at least it says organic, <laughs> the label. <laughs> yeah, but it tastes kind of awful and it doesn't make you feel very yeah. good. <laughs> and and also, I mean, like in all uh, nuts, you have a lot of easily degradable fat oils in mm. there. And then when you process them into bars, then it's a even bigger problem. <laughs> Yeah. yeah 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 sure all right it's been it's been such an insightful discussion Oli and laura it's uh, absolutely amazing i mean such small simple choices we can we can all do in our lives to actually improve the quality of the food we eat without actually sacrificing um some of the, the preferences we have um and so forth it's simply as per what Oli said just upgrade the ingredients you use in, in your life right now. That's the easiest way to start building healthier habits in terms of um, food choices, um, which, which you're making in the grocery store every single day, which will, in, which will over time lead you for a healthier life um, indeed. And you can, you can do this uh, upgrading basically endlessly as, as time goes by, but just start with smaller, small changes so that it becomes a sustainable, healthy habit, obviously. Um, now, Oli, what would be your top three tips for healthy and fulfilling life? Yeah, well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is that, uh, kind of to wrap this all up, that the most important things are not measurable. I mean, uh, you can benefit from many measurements, but the most important, the, your health starts with what you actually like and what you actually love. And there is not... It, there's not one measurement that you can use to to get into that. You can just you just have to feel it in yourself. So, like I said, that if there are all these good ideas, choose the ones that you can fall in love with, and that's a subjective thing. 
the most important things are subjective. That's where it starts. And then you can also use your intellect and, and measurements and things like that to, to make sure that you're, un, you're not falling in love with <laughs> completely uh, unreasonable things or, or like ob obviously bad things, you know. But use your intellect to find the things that are obviously more or less good and then go for the ones that you really like. So that, that's, I think, uh, that's a really good, uh, good tip for, for everyone. And uh, yeah, well, maybe another one would be, the, for example, like this morning, I kind of woke up late, but uh, when, even when doing this podcast, I'm not sitting so much. I'm kind of uh, walking around and maybe jumping around a little bit and shaking my body a little bit. I think that's probably more important than anything I can tell you about food. Like just uh, just jump around a little bit. Like make make it a habit to kind of uh, enjoy being in your body and just like shaking your body a bit. I, that's just we don't know that, but that's so that's so important to get get the fluids, get the lymph lymphatic system moving, and kind of do it all the time. That's that's probably my number one tip mm -hmm. because that's kind of uh you you will have better ideas you will have better motivations you will have better cravings everything kind of goes better from there in, uh as opposed to where you're just kind of being static and just just sitting and and then yeah it, so that's that's probably my my number one thing tip that i should all, also remind myself constantly uh it doesn't mean that you should always be training very hard or overtraining it just means that you should uh we we are built to just like enjoy just kind of yeah like jumping around all the time basically and then uh then like when when we chill when you chill out you should completely chill out and and also like you should you should let your energy fluctuate throughout the day that's also something that like when you wake up you should just you should really wake up and then when you feel like okay now i want to chill out then yeah go for it like you you shouldn't just sit for eight hours and try to do your work uh then one one more i i would say the the hydration like uh find find more ways to hydrate yourself better i mean if you take take up the choosing that's just one thing and you cannot like choose all day and if you do then like you will uh you will just at some point you will kind of get fed up and you don't want to do it anymore uh, like i and uh but the more high quality choices that you have for good hydration then then the better i mean uh like what mm, let's say you're you have the maybe choosing part but then you're also like maybe making smoothies but then you also have like some really high quality water maybe you get a water filter or something like that or even you find a local spring or something and then maybe you you like coconut water or maybe you like kombucha or whatever mm. but always be on the lookout for really high quality and ways to hydrate yourself i like maybe you can find some some teas that you really enjoy and things like that so so when you're uh listening to yourself in your life and finding things that you really love and enjoy that are good for you and then you're 
you make it a habit to really like uh, be enthusiastic in in a physical level, like be be in the kind of uh, physical state where you're you're like moving around, jumping around, and then when you're hydrating, you're hydrating yourself really well and in in many different uh, mm-hmm. good ways. Then I, I think with those three, you can get pretty far and pretty easily also. That is some golden tips right there. I, I do love every one of them. Um, the body and mind are so connected. I do uh, especially enjoy the, your, your tip on the moving and jumping around piece because by moving and jumping around, you actually can change your state immediately and, and feel better and obviously get, get some more movement into your life um, as well together with those uh, other two tips as well. So some great yeah. advice uh, indeed. Laura, any, any closing thoughts? Um, I really, you know, all your enthusiasm really shines through. I think the talk about, you know, enjoying, um, enjoying life, enjoying food, you know, loving what you do. It's, it, it really is spot on advice. And I, I would only add to that, you know, us mere mortals who at times have motivational <laughs> issues and encounter those problems to stick with the healthy habits uh, I would still encourage everybody to, you know, have even a virtual support for that. Hopefully you're surrounded by amazing people, peers who will, you know, help you towards your goals. Like Ole mentioned in the beginning, he didn't have virtually any support on his journey towards better health. Um, yes. There are so many options. So surround yourself with the great people. Download uh, an app such as HealthZilla that will nudge you towards the right um, behavior and the right healthy habits and just in general on top of all those excellent supermarket survival tips i would say sleep sleep more Mm. we all sleep and then we make awful poor choices if we're sleep deprived and i think the previous episode with mina that highlighted so many of the issues that follow if you're sleep deprived and i think especially in the supermarket if you go there and you're tired and you have these massive cravings it will not end well so (laughs) on top of hydrating yourself and making those you know conscious choices you know and food swaps in in case you're craving for a burger meal or whatnot uh, make sure that you you sleep well and enough absolutely fantastic advice indeed um now Oli, your book, Supermarket Survival, it is in Finnish, um, and it is available on all the bookstores, I would assume, yeah? Uh, maybe, pretty much. At least in the health food stores, you can find it in Finland pretty well. Fabulous. So to all of, all of our Finnish um, um, listeners, do make sure you get a copy of the su- Supermarket Survival for some awesome tips on how to start upgrading your, your food quality um, by making simple, simple swaps and upgrades on a daily basis. Oli, where can people's, people follow you? Yeah, I mean, in the Finnish language, that's pretty much yeah. everything I have at the moment. So you can just go to pretty much any channel with the name Oli Posti or Supermarket Survival, and you will find in the Instagram or in Facebook, and also as a web page, oliposti.fi. So, that, yeah. awesome. I mean, my main, my main channel that I like the most is actually... Instagram and also nowadays YouTube. I, I really like mm-hmm. doing YouTube videos nowadays. So only posty YouTube. That's also something that I really enjoy. Fabulous. We'll make sure we'll put all of the uh, the links into the show notes, so so you you guys can go ahead and follow. Make sure you follow only on these uh, 
these these channels indeed thank you so much Oli. thank you very much laura for for joining us today such an such an insightful and great conversation full of it, uh, very valuable information for sure and thank you dear listener for joining us on this hellsilla weekly episode number 30 uh, finishing up the season two with the legendary Olli Posti and Laura Ranin on supermarket survival and food choices. It's been such an amazing uh, episode. Do make sure you go ahead and download the Healthzilla app today from the Apple App Store or Google Play and make sure you start building up your healthy habits now. And with that said, I'll speak to you soon. Peace. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.